Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody, welcome to our Sunday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. That sounds a little weird, Sunday edition, but here we are, the Browns holding practice uh, in Berea this morning, trying to avoid the rain, so they held a morning practice as opposed to their usual afternoon practice. I am Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. And Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing well. Ready to go. All right. Uh, we're going to start. Yes, we certainly had practice, but we're going to start with the owners because we got to hear, as we do annually, from Dee and Jimmy Haslam, usually that first weekend of training camp. So sticking to that, they were available today. And we picked out four kind of big takeaways from it that we want to talk about. Let's just start here. Mary Kay, they did not just come out and say there will not be fans in the stands. It sounds like they want to push to have about 20% capacity at the stadium, which would put you at about... Uh, if my math is right, 13 to 14,000 people. Uh, I know Baltimore originally was going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of 14,000. That's since been reduced if they can have fans in the stands there. Uh, but the Haslam seem like they're really going to push for this. It, the choice might not be theirs, but it seems like they definitely want to get people in that stadium. Yeah, they really do. The thing that has stood out to them over the last couple of days of training camp is just the how quiet it is and how eerie that sounds with no fans. And it really kind of hits home to be out there and a big play is made and there's no roar of the crowd. And they certainly want the roar of the crowd at First Energy Stadium. So does everybody else. Uh, so we're going to have to see how that goes. It's a collaborative effort of uh, the governor, it's going to be, you know, the Bengals have to be involved. Uh, you know, all pro sports and stadiums have to be involved in this. And, uh, and so they're, they're going to try. They're, they're going to push for it. They really want to do it. Uh, they are also working with the city to try to make it happen. So uh, I would think that very soon there's going to have to be a decision made on this. And, uh, you know, I, for one, am hoping that there are at least some fans in the stadium this season. It would be weird that you know, you're, you're trying to get a, a handful of fans there. It'd be a lot like, and that would be a victory, whereas what we're used to seeing the Browns struggle through in recent years is not being able to fill up that stadium. And, you know, everybody's sending out tweets before the game saying, you know, plenty of good seats available because nobody showed up yet. And now that, that's kind of a victory, I think, to, to get people in the stands. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't know after watching, you know, baseball and the NBA – uh, Major League Soccer, go through that. Um, it can obviously be done without fans. I think one of the things they pointed out, maybe an offshoot of this, is you have fans coming to the game, maybe that helps some of those businesses in the area. Um, 
you know, around the stadium and in downtown because we know that that took a hit as well uh, during all this. But um, it's just a weird, a weird switch, I think, in what we've, we're used to seeing from uh, empty stadiums uh, in recent years to now we're kind of hoping that there's at least uh, maybe, you know, a handful of people there. Yeah, I mean, even if there's 10,000 people there, it's still going to seem bizarre. They're going to be spread out. Obviously, they're going to have to get into the stadium, and maybe they've already started with this stuff. I guess they'd have to if they want to have fans in there by September 17th. You know, this is going to be a strange season regardless. And if you can get a, some some real fans in there and do it safely, uh, certainly go for it. And Scott, you you said it. It's it's great for businesses downtown if you can at least get some people, give them a reason to go downtown. You know, the weirdest thing might just be driving by the Muni lot on those days. The way I usually come in, I end up driving right next to the Muni lot. And I, I don't think we're going to be seeing that this year. I I don't know that the city of Cleveland is going to open that up for people uh, on Sundays to go and, and tailgate pregame, whether there's fans in the stands or not. Uh, so it, it's going to be a very strange season. Uh, still no real answers for that. We'll see where that goes. Uh, another thing that the Haslam's brought up is going to be another big story this year, and that is how players protest pregame. And it seems like it's going to lead to players kneeling during the national anthem. Again, this is something that uh, of course, Colin Kaepernick started and then in 2017. It really kind of swept across the league. Uh, it, it hasn't happened in a while. We're seeing it now in other sports start to pop up again. Players kneeling during the anthem. The Haslam's, Mary Kay, were supportive of their players. They, they didn't question it. I, I thought they handled uh, questions about it very well today. Yeah, and, you know, their their leader, their team leader in Baker Mayfield has already come out and said that he – plans on kneeling. So uh, the organization is supporting him in that. They know that it's probably going to be a team-wide thing. And uh, the Haslam's are more focused on social justice initiatives and the good things that their players do. And the Browns have really taken the lead, I think, on this, on this issue. I mean, they've got the uh, Be the Solution campaign launched by Andrew Barry. They've done a lot of things dating back to 2016, you know, the ride-alongs with, uh, you know, with the Cleveland police and so forth. And, you know, the players are always out in the community doing things. So I think that uh, the Haslam's hope that the focus is on the good things that their players do and not the fact that they are going to do a peaceful protest because let's face it, they're going to do it. And there has already been backlash. Baker's already taken a ton of heat. There are, al there are always going to be people that do not like it. Um, but I asked Jimmy about that today. I said, are you, are you just prepared uh, to just take the backlash from it? And he said, yes. So uh, I think that's the mindset heading in. You know, it doesn't even seem like a protest anymore. Really, it's, it's more like a show of unity and solidarity that um, uh, with, with teams doing it, with a number of people doing this on each team and what we've seen, you know, from the NBA and, and other leagues. Um, but you're right, the Browns have been at the forefront. Dan and I have both been uh, uh, along with selected players when they've gone and, you know, uh, visited the courthouse downtown and uh, gone and visited and talked to inmates and tried to get a better understanding of what needs to be done to, to exact change. So, um, you know, I, the Browns uh, are taking it seriously. And it's not just guys, uh, you know, creating that symbol of people kneeling uh, during uh, the anthem as, as a protest. It's they're actually doing things and I'm sure they'll continue to do them. Yeah. I think the Haslam has done a really good job of creating those opportunities. The one, the one you said that we got to do a ride along on um, the day before the draft, I believe it was 2018 
uh, I was invited to sit in in the big team meeting room. They brought a bunch of community leaders together and a bunch of players together and, and they sort of presented, here's all these opportunities, you know, here's where we need help. Here's what you guys can do. Uh, kind of putting people together in, in a room to discuss what the next steps are. And I think that's something the Haslam's have done very well. I do hope if nothing else, and, and this is something that has sort of happened in the NBA a little bit, I hope it doesn't become a, a keeping score thing, like who stood and, and who knelt. And you know, I do hope it does um, still be something about, like you said, Scott, something about the unity of players behind a movement, as opposed to you know sitting up there keeping score of, well, this guy stood, why did he stand? This guy knelt, why did he kneel? You know, let the protest speak for what it speaks for, and then you know, I'm kind of with the Haslam's. Let, let's, let's, it, it's been about action, I think, for a lot of players and a lot of people in, in light of the, the most recent incidents. And, and it'll be interesting to see kind of where that goes uh, with, with the players after the protests. Um, the other point, expectations from a year ago. Managing expectations. Jimmy Haslam said they didn't do that very well last year. We all knew that. <laughs> I think we all sensed that when we talked to players, when we heard from coaches. This is the first time I think anybody in the organization has just come out and said it, Mary Kay. Uh, it's not the first time, I guess, but last year was certainly an extreme example. Well, I think the Haslam's also got caught up in the euphoria of the 2019 season. I think they were so excited uh, to be getting all the great feedback that they were getting from around the league uh, for signing Odell Beckham Jr. and for doing, all, or for trading for Odell and for doing all the things that they did and coming off of what they were coming off of in 2018, I think in some ways, like Miles told us, I think they sort of felt like they had arrived a little bit too. I mean, they thought they had gotten somewhere with this football team. And, and the truth of the matter is they really hadn't yet. And they put the cart before the horse as well. And so therefore they didn't even manage their own expectations, let alone try to manage those of the community and the fans and the players and everybody else. It was the overhyped 2019 season. And I think everyone learned from that. I think uh, national media members learned from that. I mean, you can see that, I mean, not many, uh, you know, there just isn't the buzz around the Cleveland Browns this year, anything like it was last year at all. Uh, so I think now they're, you know, they're saying they're cautiously optimistic. I, I think they should be cautiously optimistic. I mean, remember, that this is a brand new coaching staff. And even though they do have the talent, everyone's learning a new terminology. They're trying to figure out how they want to divide up the ball to all these skill players. They have new schemes on both sides of the ball. And so I think it strikes the right note to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, it wasn't just the national media that maybe didn't uh, do well with their expectations. Some people on our staff might have had that issue too. I'm not going to name any names, but um, <laughs> our, our, our preseason predictions may have been a little loftier than they, they should have been. Um, but you know that the last, but the last seven or eight games of that 2018 season was probably the worst thing that could have happened to the Browns because that's really why the expectations were so high. Even if they don't get Odell Beckham and Jr. in the offseason, you're still, you know, you kind of carried over. You brought over Freddie Kitchens and you, you, you had Baker kind of cross over the new season. And, um, you know, if those last eight games don't happen, maybe, you know, Freddie Kitchens isn't hired. Kevin Stefanski's here a year earlier and everybody goes into 2019 kind of, all right, let's see if this works. But now it's like we've kind of skipped ahead and that's where we are now. Now the Browns have had that, that downfall season and uh, 
I think that causes everybody to dial it back a little bit. But um, yeah, I think this year's preseason uh, uh, predictions are going to be a lot lower than they were last year. And even, and not so much so that maybe this team can't achieve the playoffs or a double digit wins. I think a lot of people are going to be maybe a little scared to, <laughs> scared to just go out on a limb and say, yeah, 10 to six, that sounds good. Everybody felt a little bit burnt. I know, I know I was, you know, Mary Kay, you and I, I think both picked 10 and six last year and we ended up a little bit on the conservative side, I think, which was uh, kind of speaks to, to where everyone was. Scott, we won't make you revisit your prediction from, from last year. I was so close though. So close. <laughs> well, you know, I, I still think, I mean, we were not crazy in what we were looking at when we looked out there onto the field and saw Jarvis and Odell and Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Those core players are still with this team. Now, they've upgraded, but there was a lot of talent on this football team last year, and I still believe they should have won probably at least three more games last year, uh, maybe four, but they just did not have the coaching to bring it all together. Yeah, there's, there's really no good reason that, that at worst, that wasn't an 8-8 eight eight team last year. Mm -hmm. there, there were games that they lost that they definitely should have won, and maybe with a little more organization and coaching they would have. Scott, you mentioned Kevin Stefanski. Uh, the Haslams were asked about their new brain trust, Stefanski and Andrew Barry. Uh, they, they mentioned how calm they were. Again, this is sort of them reaffirming what we've seen and what we've witnessed uh, they, they're so far, I don't know, can you say they're living up to the hype if we're talking about how calm they are and, and how unrattled they are? Uh, but, but again, they're just sort of confirming what we've seen from those two guys. Well, you know what? When I look at uh, Kevin Stefanski and, and Andrew Barry, you know, if you, if you were going to have to do COVID, you really want people that are super smart, super organized, very detailed, very tech savvy, you know, maybe someone that got, you know, an information systems uh, degree from Harvard or something like that, you know, I mean, you just want people that can do the analytics, exercise science, you know, virtual this and virtual that and data, whatever. Uh, they, they were ready to, to bring this into the, you know, to this new world of, of how we've had to do things. You know, I think if, if when I look back to last year, we talk about the dysfunction, the disorganization. I mean, there's just no way that last year's regime would have been able to handle this the way that this year's has. These guys were built for this kind of thing. I mean, you don't want, obviously, this kind of adversity. But to hear Kevin Stefanski talk about, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable, that's what you need. I mean, this is the most uncomfortable season probably in the history, or at least one of them in the history of the NFL. And these guys have the makeup and the demeanor to carry the team through this as best they can. Yeah, the Haslam's were asked to, to, to give us their, their thoughts on, you know, Andrew Barry and, and Stefanski. And I think they even threw uh, Paul Podesta in there and they said their EKG was flat, you know, and how it would have been weird if they would have said, boy, that, that Podesta, he's a prankster, you know? It's, it's refreshing <laughs> yeah. to know that, the, that what we're seeing from them is the same thing people are seeing behind the scenes. It's not like they're putting on some sort of uh, veil to, you know, not give away anything. That's truly how they are. So, uh, so that was good. Um, you know, it seems like half the front office has an economics degree, and that's like predictive thinking. So you're right. It is perfect to have those kind of guys in this situation where you have to kind of be ahead of the game a little bit and figure out how you're going to deal with everything. And 
um, so far, it seems like the Browns have the right guys in place. Now I'm imagining Paul DePodesta sneaking out to the parking lot and filling Kevin Stefanski's car with popcorn. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. I'll tell everybody about Football Insider, and we come back, we'll actually talk a little bit about practice today. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko. And we're going to talk practice. If you already were a Football Insider subscriber, you'd have seen some of our thoughts from practice. We send those out uh, oftentimes in real time. I know right after practice, I, I jump on there and try and send out a thought or two or you know, kind of what I saw from practice. So it's kind of your first look into what we're seeing out there on the practice field. So Scott, this was your first time out there uh, today. So let's start with you. What, what kind of stood out to you? Obviously, we were very far away again. <laughs> but what, yeah. what stood out to you observing this, this coaching staff and their practice for the first time? Yeah, when I was able to get a good vantage point. Um, you know, and one of the things I guess I noticed is how much they're really focusing on making sure Baker Mayfield, number one, is ready in, in case Keenum. Um, I mean, just – your frontline guys are going to get the most reps in a camp no matter what, but it just seemed kind of exaggerated. I saw uh, Kevin Davidson, the, the undrafted uh, free agent quarterback, uh, kind of playing catch with Garrett Gilbert most of the day. You know, Gilbert got a couple of reps in there, but really it was kind of heavy on Baker and making sure that he's up to speed. And when you only got a few weeks to go, you know, they're, I'm sure they're getting kind of a crash course and, and making sure uh, those two are ready. And really it makes sense not to have those – bottom of the depth chart quarterbacks getting many reps at this point because there's no preseason games to get them ready for. You know, they're, they're pretty much emergency. You're hoping they're, they're uh, absorbing stuff in, in the meetings. But right now, camp just seems to be all about Baker Mayfield and making sure he's ready. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, in the first couple of days, there are a couple of things that are starting to stand out to me a little bit. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed in the first two days is uh, Kareem Hunt really looks ready to go. I mean, he looks hungry. He looks fast. In fact, I think the whole team looks bigger, faster, stronger, just 
you know, physically and speed wise, I think you're, I think you're seeing uh, a young, fast and strong football team. Kareem Hunt looks amazing so far. They've got a really good problem on their hands with two really good running backs. Um, and of course, Kareem will be used a lot in the passing game. That's a way to get both of those guys on the field and to, to divide up that workload. Odell Beckham Jr., he's practicing. I mean, he didn't practice much last summer. So it's nice to see him out there practicing. And, you know, whenever Odell practices, you're going to have the one-handed catch. We had it today. Uh, really nice play by Odell. And it's also good to see him coming back from a core muscle surgery and be able to make those kind of plays and just kind of like throw his body out there and not be tentative or anything like that. Uh, now the pads will go on tomorrow. So that's the first time we'll see any contact or hitting or anything like that. And I know we're all looking forward to that. And I think it's going to be on a field that we'll be closer to. So I think we'll be able to actually see it and maybe be able to provide a little bit of uh, in-practice video perhaps for you guys, little clips here and there. Um, but those are a couple of guys. And then um, defensively, Kevin Johnson is somebody that has made some plays so far. Yeah in this camp. Uh, num number 28 is start starting to stand out a little bit. Uh, these are just a couple names that, that I've been noticing. And, and I've also noticed too on the offensive side, it's something that I wrote about, they're really shuttling guys in and out a lot. You're not seeing, when, when they have the first team out there, you know, the, obviously the line is the same, and the quarterback is the same, but you're seeing a lot of mixing and matching. So you're seeing Austin Hooper and Kareem Hunt and, you know, all these guys that you would expect to see. But then JoJo Natson will come out there for, for a couple plays. Taewon Taylor has been out there with the first team a little bit. They're, they're really kind of shuttling guys in and out a lot and trying to get these early looks at guys before the pads go on on Monday. And the other thing, too, is today, for whatever reason, I just kind of noticed a little more we saw some wrinkles. So Austin Hooper going out wide and Kareem Hunt lined up behind him and, and different things like that. We're, we're seeing some different formation wrinkles here and there uh, for, from this football team as, as they kind of try and figure out exactly what this offense is going to look like, taking Kevin Stefanski's Minnesota offense and, and bringing it here to Cleveland. So uh, that, that's something that, that sort of stood out to me as well. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's interesting that they only have like 14 practices to get this together uh, before, really, 14 padded practices before they can take this on the road and put it up against the Baltimore Ravens. It just boggles my mind uh, because at this point uh, in a normal year, they would have installed everything. They would have, uh, they would be trying new things, different things. They would be on their second installation of things. Um, and, and these guys are really just doing basic things such as trying to get Jedrick Wills to be able to play left tackle for the first time in his career. I mean, it's just bizarre what they have to compress into such a short time frame. And I think they're doing a good job. The practices are very efficient. They're moving very quickly. Uh, they're not wasting any time on their reps. Uh, they are doing a good job of trying to not only get the starters ready, Dan, like you mentioned, but also to get the backups ready because anybody can leave with COVID at any moment. And, um, it's moving at a good clip, and I'm very anxious to see the pads go on tomorrow. Yeah, and I think uh, not coming away with, and I know you guys have been there for both of them, but I certainly didn't come away from today's practice uh, thinking about how Joel Petonia was playing in, in the, between two rookies on the offensive line. Uh, afterwards, he even said if you had told him before this that Jedrick Wills had played left tackle in college, he, he would have believed you because he's kind of, from a technique standpoint, he seems to have made a smooth transition so far. So. Uh, that's a positive to come out of these first two days for sure.
right? And Mary Kay, you and I spotted when we were walking off the field, Jedrick Wills and Olivia Vernon working together uh, after everyone had sort of parted ways. They were off on the side kind of working together. So it's good to see them getting that work and, and getting Jedrick uh, ready to go over at left tackle and, and having to work against a guy like Olivier Vernon. He's, he doesn't get Miles Garrett yet, but that's going to come soon enough. Yeah, I, th I think it's great that O is is trying to bring Jed up the learning curve as fast as he possibly can. He knows he doesn't have miles right now. That's probably been one of the most disappointing things for the first couple days of camp. When you've only got 14 or 15 of these and you're going to be without miles for whatever, three or four of them, uh, that's learning for Jed that's not happening. So O has kind of taken him under his wing. Again, we saw that today. Not only are they working him some in Miles' spot, at right end so that he can actually feel that impact on every rep. Uh, but he did take that time afterwards. They were going, he was going over pass sets with them and different things. And uh, you can just see that Jed is absorbing it and he's really trying to, uh, to learn as fast as he can. And that's really all you can ask from a rookie like that. Okay. That's it. Our Sunday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast because we do one of these every single day after practice and you want that to hit your feed as soon as I hit publish on that, uh, on that fully produced podcast. And make sure you check out Football Insider as well. Text that number I told you about earlier or go over to cleveland.com slash browns. You'll see a way to sign up and get your free trial there because we are sending out all sorts of great camp stuff. So you want to get involved in that. We're seeing that number tick up again. Folks are definitely getting interested in, in this football team. So get on board with Football Insider. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.